Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. A million times over. If you will, have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 24, verse 13. I do want to thank you again, my brothers and sisters here at Theresa. I want to thank you for your gracious hospitality. I want to thank you, Pastor. I appreciate him so much uh, for offering me this invitation for the time he has taken up with me over the past couple of weeks. Just allow me to hang out with him and pick his brain. I appreciate that. I just can't thank you all enough for how gracious you guys... What? Uh, you tell me who said that. Uh, <laughs> now, I do. I thank you so much. And I want to thank my Lord for saving me. Amen. I, I got no business being here. And boy, it hits me every time I'm sitting. I got no business being up here. And I'm so thankful he saved us. I'm so thankful he allows us to serve him and work on the building. Amen. I'm so thankful for what he done. But I appreciate you, brothers and sisters here. I want to thank my brothers and sisters from Highview. I'm not ashamed of my church family. I love my church family. And my parole, my parole officers are here again tonight to make sure I'm, <laughs> I'm doing what I'm supposed to. If you will, have your Bibles open. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. This has been in your bulletin. We'll finish up. This is message number six of what did the cross look like. We'll bring it to a completion. Looking after the cross. Message number six from this series. In Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13, I'm going to ask you if you're able, able, in deference to God's word, would you please stand for the reading of his word? I'll read through verse 27. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and you are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yeah, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, when they found not his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even so as the women said, but him they did not see. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Please be seated. Let us pray. How merciful, Heavenly Father, if it be pleasing you now to allow me to preach your word. Father, we thank you for the worship time, worship through song and fellowship, and worship through prayer. Father, we just ask now, O oh Heavenly Father, if you will remove any restraining factors. Lord, I am not worthy of this task, O oh Father. I pray, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit will now take this word, dear Father, and appropriate it to these, your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Looking after the cross, we have taken a journey through Scripture, and I trust by the Holy Spirit you have been compelled to reevaluate the cross, but there is one final step. We must take, or it is not complete, 
in considering the cross. You cannot forget the final step. Heard a story of a fellow one time who had taken a day off from work. He was super stressed. He just had to get out of the office and get outdoors and he just wanted to relax his mind. And so out into the park he went and he milled around and he fed the birds and he listened to the babbling brook and whatever else. And he found himself sitting on a park bench and he noticed the landscaping crew pull up. And he just sat there and watched them and he listened to the birds chirp. He didn't mind watching somebody else work as long as he wasn't. And two fellas got out the truck. One of them had a set of post hole diggers and one of them had a shovel. And so he got to watching them. And the first fella took the post hole diggers and he dug a hole. And then he leaned on the post hole diggers while the other one stood there and looked at him for a few minutes. After a few minutes, the other one took a shovel and filled the hole back up. And then they went on down down the uh, park a piece and done the exact same thing again. Dug a hole, they stood there and stared at it, then the other one filled it up. After about ten times, it was about to drive him crazy. He had, it had got the best of him, so he went up to him and he says, what on earth are y'all doing? I said, well, what do you mean? He says, you dig the hole, you stand there and look at it, then you cover the hole back up. What are y'all doing? The guy said, that's easy. The guy that normally plants the trees called in sick today. <laughs> you might say they forgot one of the most important things. If we were to leave off from the cross without looking at tonight's text, not just this text specifically, but this particular subject matter, we would have been like those guys digging that hole. We would have left off something very important. And let me offer to you, you don't have to turn there, you can if you want, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 through 17, to preface my, my, coming, my comments uh, as, as the understand how important the resurrection is, Paul said to the church at Corinth, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Up until this point, Jesus has only died. We've looked up at the cross, we've looked over at the cross, we've looked at it at our level, we've looked at it ahead, but we must look after the cross. Or our faith is in vain. Look what he says. Yeah, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. If Christ is not risen, then our faith is in vain. We have left off with Jesus dead there on the cross. We left off last night with Him dying. Looking over their shoulders. God looking down on it. Sacrificing His Son. I'll offer this message to you tonight in three points. The first one we'll see in verses 13 through 16 will be the road to Emmaus. 13 through 16. The second one will be revisiting past events in verses 17 through 24. And then the final one will be revealing eternal truth in verses 25 through 27. The first one we'll see here on the road to Emmaus, we pick up our two disciples. It's on Sunday morning. In verses 13 through 16, And behold, two of them went the same day, verse 21 of the chapter, you see it's still Sunday, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. I read this story a few years ago, and I went back and looked this up to put it in right here. There was a story by, of a lady by the name of, of Medea El Said. She had a unique problem in 1992. 
This 40-year-old housewife was trying to prove that she was alive. The Salem Express ferry sank on December the 4th, 1991. And she was listed as one of the 464 passengers who they had presumed had had boarded the ship. They had put her luggage on it, but something had happened and she had been detained and had not actually gotten on the ship. But as far as the government was concerned, El Saeed had died tragically in this boat uh, sinking. And actually later, they even buried her. Unfortunately, it was a mistake and they used someone else's body. Consequently, she was unable to care for her three children in Saudi Arabia. Her family was delighted to see her return on another ferry a few days later. But the government wasn't so happy to see all of this with all the contradictions and paperwork problems that had been created. She was interviewed and she said this, she made this statement. This was her quote. The law does not believe me when I tell them I am alive. The law does not believe me when I tell them I am alive. Jesus said he is alive. He had told us from history past, he was coming, he would die, he would lay down his life, and he would take it up again. He did. And he is alive. We often as Christians are like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We're stuck on Friday. In the horror of Friday. When all the tragedies that we have witnessed. Or we're still stuck on Saturday. In the uncertainty of Saturday. And we have not looked beyond the cross yet. We've not come to the realization of the power of the resurrection. They have a quandary here. They're walking to Jerusalem. The law, common sense, and all that's rational to the human eye and mind says when people die, they don't get up and come back to life three days later. This is where they are. They begin to have a conversation about it. Don't this the same day on Sunday. They walk and they begin to discuss the current condition of Jesus in their life, in their mind. In their mind, He's still dead. In their mind, they're perplexed. They're hurt. They're burdened. They have consternation in verse verse 14. They talk together of all the things which had happened. What all had happened? Well, imagine how they must have felt. They had seen Jesus. Do miracles. They had seen him love people. They had seen him do good. They had heard him teach. But then they watched him die a bloody, gruesome death. This is where they are. This is what is real to them. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, But we do not walk by, by sight. Or we walk by faith, we do not walk by sight. See, they are walking by sight and not by faith. Ironically, however, they're going to find out they blind in just a few minutes. Jesus had told them what he would do, but it's still Friday to them. They're still looking at the cross. Preacher, what are you getting at? Ain't he told us some things he's going to do? Do we let current problems get us distracted from the promises that he's given us? That's right. See yourself on the road to Emmaus. We're all there at times. He's told us he's coming back, did he not? He said He would. But we get to live in our lives on the road to Emmaus and we forget all about what He said. We get in the storm. We get in the midst of troubles. We find our weaknesses and our failures. And all of a sudden it's the end of the world. And we forget 
the power that he has. We're just like them sometimes. They communed and reasoned. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I love this. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. As I said, it stands to reason. If you watch a man die a gruesome, horrific death, but three days later he's still going to be dead. That's what you would be communing and reason. I want you to notice right there that Jesus drew near to them. Jesus went with them. Jesus is not a distant deity that sets up in heaven with his arms crossed looking down going, get like me if you can. He's not just up there, just some arbitrary God going, if you can figure the rules out, you can get here. Oh, no, no, no. We got a personal God, and we see right here, He draws near to them and starts to walk with them. Brothers and sisters, I don't care where you are in this life. You know this. Jesus Christ can draw near to you and walk with you. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. God said that to you. He drew near to them. He walked with them. Now, are they sitting there quoting great theology? No, they don't even know He's alive yet. And yet, and still, he drew near to them. I got saved when I was nine years old. Dumb as a bag of rocks. I'm still dumb as a bag of rocks. (laughs) Amy's not here to say amen. No, you didn't. (laughs) Did she? Where's her mama at? Okay, all right. I didn't know nothing. I just knew I was a sinner and they told me Jesus died for me. Jesus drew near to them and walked with them. He's not waiting for them to figure it out. He's not chastising them for not knowing. He's drawing near to them and He will reveal Himself to us. Hebrews 13.5 says, For He Himself has said He will never... Church, say that word. Never leave us or forsake us. In the midst of that Friday moment when you can't see past the gruesomeness of the cross or where you are, you know this. He will never leave us or forsake us. When you find yourself with your disciple on the road to Emmaus and the conversation is nothing but doubt and discontentment and discouragement and all rationale points to no answer, you know this. Jesus will draw near and He will walk with you. Because He ain't still on that cross. Friday's over now. We ain't looking at the cross no more. We're looking after the cross. You can't see it just yet though. But their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. It's the same as in John chapter 20 verse 14 when Mary saw Him. Mary saw Him but she knew not yet that it was Jesus. Or the disciples on the seashore in John chapter 21 when they saw Him but they did not know yet. See, their minds is still on the cross. Their minds is still on that horrific event. That life-altering event that they could not totally understand. But Jesus will reveal Himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. That they must be spiritually discerned. Amen. That person you've been praying about for years... 
and you're tired of it and you're aggravated and you look at them and go, what on earth is wrong with them? Can't they see what God is doing? No, they can't. You keep praying that God will come and walk with them and take the scales off their eyes. You stay faithful to that. He'll stay faithful to us. They're still looking at the cross. They're not looking after it yet. Their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. See, the flesh says it's still Friday. The fear says it's still Friday Jesus died. The anxiety says it's still Saturday. The speculation of I don't know. Aren't they some of the most painful words in our vocabulary? I don't know. When we have to admit we don't know what's next. See, they didn't know yet. But Jesus did. They didn't know yet. They begin to revisit past events in verses 17 through 24. And he said unto them, he begins to talk to them, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? What y'all talking about that makes you so sad? If I can say it in Keelanese. What's got you so upset, Jesus asked. Now why would Jesus ask that? Was it because he didn't know? Oh no, he knew. And because he cares. And He's about to reveal to them as they walking and they are sad and everything 2 plus 2 equals 4 and everything adds up to the fear and the consternation and the disturbance that they're experiencing. Everything adds up and points to that. He's walking along going, what y'all sad about? And He's about to tell them the very thing you're afraid of, the very thing you worried about, I done took care of that. Amen. I've already taken care of it. They were upset. They don't know where they're at. They don't know what's going on. What are y'all talking about? It makes you so sad. Church, how often are we sad when we should be rejoicing? Let that sink in right there. How often are we sad and worried about what's going on today when we should be rejoicing in the sovereignty of God? Amen, Amen or oh me right there. We're just like them sometimes. Look what they say to him. And one of them whose name was Cleopas answered and said unto him, Are you the only, are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? And you do not know the things which are come to pass in these days. I love it. They walk along and all of a sudden this fellow, they don't know him from Adam. By the way, he was the second Adam. Comes walking up beside him and starts asking, what y'all so upset about? And then swirls around and looks at me and says, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Are you the only one around here that don't know what's wrong? Funny thing is, he's the only one around there that knows what's right. Because he's about to reveal himself. What are these things, he says? What are these things you're so upset about? And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. They're quick to tell him of their problems. As I said, they're still living in the anxiety of Saturday. Still living in the fear of Friday. Still looking at the cross. When his life ended, they don't know yet. Verse 20, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. And they have crucified him. When I tell you they're still looking at the cross, that tells you right there. They've crucified him. He's dead. Now, I want you to watch this right here. But we trusted, notice the past tense, that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. We had trusted it was going to be him. A disbelief in God's Word will lead to trouble in your life. You look back in Genesis when Satan started to trick Eve, the first thing he told him to do 
Question God's word. Did God really say that? We thought it was going to be him. We know what his word has said, but he's dead now. We trusted it would have been him, but it's the third day now. God ain't going to show up on your time. And we established this a few days ago. He ain't wearing a watch. God's not fitting into your calendar. He don't have to. He's sovereign. They wanted to know something before then. They had determined He was a Messiah. But now He's dead. So therefore, could He be? Wasn't He? They're upset. We trusted it's past tense. Verses 23 through 24. Yes, and certain women also of our company. Now now they made us astonished. They were early at the sepulcher this morning. They couldn't find His body. They come back said they'd seen a vision of angels which said He was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. The angel said he was alive. Well, now that's never happened before, has it? Oh, wait a minute. At his birth. When they announced his birth. We don't know what to believe anymore. Others are telling us this. They said they went and seen it. But we don't know. We just know he's dead. They're still looking at the cross. They're revisiting these past events. And finally, there's going to be a revealing of eternal truth to them. When they tell him that, then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. The, eye, the, the scales will fall off their eyes. He's going to reveal to them, there he is in the resurrected body. Not just a spirit, not just some sort of ghost or apparition. He took that body up out of the grave and it saw no condemnation just as the prophecies had told. Notice what he says, O fools and slow of heart. Psalm 14, 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. You know, we don't say it with our mouth very often. Most people won't say that with their mouth. But they'll say it with their mind. Sometimes we'll live as if there, there is no God. Well, let me ask a question. They've already established they thought Him to be the Messiah. Well, if you believed that He was God, and now you believe He is dead and still dead, do you think God is dead? So that's kind of crazy. That's where they were. And now He's going to reveal Himself to them. He says, you slow of heart. See, He knows we're human. He knows He's going to get them there, but He knows they ain't there yet. But that's why He came and He walked with them. Didn't you believe all that the prophets have said? The New Testament wasn't even written yet. Don't you believe what God has already told you? Your faith is struggling right now. You're in this situation on the road to Emmaus. Well, you've not looked past the cross and to the power of the resurrection because you're not believing what God has already told you. I'm amazed that people often we get to talking about studying God's Word and growing. If you won't be obedient to what He's already given you to do, why on earth would He give us more? Plain and simple. If I ask you to babysit one of my children and you lose that child, do you think I'm going to ask you to keep four of them? (laughs) Well, have not the prophets already told you? You know the Scriptures. You've already been told, He says. Ought not Christ... To have suffered these things and then to enter into his glory. You gotta know why he was dead. You gotta know why he suffered. We've spent days discussing that. We've talked about it was done for us. We talked about last night God declaring his own righteousness. The scriptures have already defined this. Amen. 
You knew Isaiah 53. You've read it when it said it would please the Lord to bruise him. You knew when he said he would die between the criminals, but in a rich man's tomb he would be buried. You knew all these things. His suffering, listen to me church, wasn't contradicting to the fact that he was Messiah. It was proof of it. Because the Messiah's job was to come and deliver us. He had to go to the grave first so he could be the first fruits of the resurrection. As I said the other day, I got no fear. When my grave is occupied, I promise you I won't be there. (laughs) You stand there and cry over it if you want. Jesus' tomb is empty, so will mine be. Now I ain't sure what suit they'll decorate me up in or put me in. and I don't even care. Because I'm going to be in heaven. And I won't have to worry about being short anymore. (laughs) Jesus said, lo, I'll be with you always. So y'all just keep on making fun of me for being short. (laughs) Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into His glory. Now watch right here in verse 7 as we end the text. And beginning at Moses, meaning the Pentateuch, and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. When He begins to reveal Himself to them, He didn't just make unicorns appear. Listen to me, especially if you're a new believer. When He begins to reveal Himself to them, there wasn't just fireworks in the air. And stars, shooting stars, and some hallelujah chorus. When He begins to reveal Himself to them, when He opens their eyes, He does it through His Word. He simply tells them what He's already told them about Himself. Some people say the Sermon on the Mount was the greatest sermon preached by the greatest preacher. I'll not get get into all that, but I'd have loved to have heard this one. And if God had wanted us to know, I guess He would have told us. But it says right here, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures. I imagine He began and told them, you know in Genesis, I was the seed of the woman. The promised one that was crushed the serpent's head. You know, over in Exodus, I was the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, I was the high priest. In Numbers, I was the brazen serpent. I believe he began to go throughout Scripture and describe himself to all of them. In Deuteronomy, I was the great rock. In in, uh, Joshua, I was the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, I was the messenger. All of Scripture, he said. In Ruth... I was your kinsman redeemer. All of it. In 1 Samuel, I was the great judge. In 2 Samuel, I was the princely king. In 1 Kings, I was David's choice. In 2 Kings, I was the holiest of all. In 1 Chronicles, I was king by birth. In 2 Chronicles, I'll be king by judgment. In Ezra, I'm the Lord of heaven and earth. In Nehemiah, I was the one building the temple. In Esther, I was your Mordecai. He went through all the scriptures. And begin to reveal to them who he was. In Job, I was the risen and returning redeemer. In the Psalms, when you read the Psalms, I was the good shepherd. In the Proverbs, I am the wisdom that existed before creation ever was. I imagine he told him in Ecclesiastes, I was the one above the sun. In the Song of Solomon, I am the chiefest among ten thousand. In Isaiah, as we've already referenced, I was the suffering and glorified servant. In Jeremiah, I am the Lord of righteousness. In Lamentations, I was the man of sorrows. 
He went through all. And Ezekiel, I was the glorious God. And Daniel, I was the fourth one walking through the fire. Do you not know? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know? Oh no, he's the only one there that does. And he went through all the Scripture telling them. I believe he told them in Hosea, he was the risen Son of God. In Joel, he would be the one that poured out the Spirit. In Amos, he would be the eternal Christ. In Obadiah, that he would be the one who was forgiving them. In Jonah, he was the risen prophet. In Micah, that he would be the Bethlehemite. In Nahum, he would be the bringer of good tidings. In Habakkuk, he was the Lord in his holy temple. In Zephaniah, he would be the merciful Christ. I believe in Haggai, he told him, I was the desire of all the nations in Zechariah, all the nations in Zechariah, I was the branch. I believe he told him in Malachi, I am the son of righteousness that has been, that is rising with healing on my wings. He went through all of scripture and told them of himself. Friday's over. The fear of the cross is over. The uncertainty of Saturday is past. The questions we may have of the power of His resurrection are over. He has declared it to us. He has stepped forth from the tomb and punctuated all that He said He would. He will never die again. And Scripture says He is now seated. He's done His work. There's no more questions. Dear friend, the uncertainty is over. We can look after the cross now. We can live after the cross as Scripture teaches. We can live in the power of the resurrection. There is a song that captures this. I can't sing or I'd sing it to you. But the words are perfect. And it's sang from the perspective of Peter. So I'll just read the words to you. It tells the story of what they must have felt that day. It says the gates and doors were barred and all the windows were fastened down. They spent the night in sleeplessness. And they rose at every sound, half in hopeless sorrow, half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking in and drag them all away. Then the gates began to rattle and they heard, then began to call and a voice began to call. He says, I hurried to the window and I looked down into the street. I was expecting swords and torches and the sound, a sound of soldiers feet. There was no one there but Mary. So I went down to let her in. John stood there beside me as she told us where she had been. She said, they've moved him in the night, but none of us knows where. The stone's been rolled away, but his body isn't there. We both ran toward the garden, but John ran on ahead. We found the stone in the empty tomb just the way that Mary had said. The winding sheet they had wrapped him in was just an empty shell. But how aware they had taken him was more than we could tell. Something strange had happened, but just what I did not know. John believed a miracle, but I I just turned to go. See, circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high. Because I'd seen them crucify Him, and then I saw Him die. Back inside the house again, the guilt and the anguish came. Everything that I had promised Him just added to my shame. When at last I came to choices... I even denied that I knew his name. Even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. That's living on Friday. But Friday's over. And the next line says, Suddenly the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume. Lightning shone from everywhere and drove shadows from the room. Then Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. I bowed down on my knees and I clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet. 
And as he looked into my eyes, love was shining out for him like shadows from the skies. Every fear I'd ever had just melted into peace. He raised me to my feet and he looked into my eyes, the song says. Just as the disciples were walking there, he came to them. He came with them. He revealed himself to them. The end of the song says, The guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet relief, and every fear I'd ever had melted into peace. Because He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. He's alive and heaven's gates are open wide. Theresa Baptist Church, we are living after the cross. The tomb is empty. We are living within the power of the resurrection. I charge you tonight. I challenge you tonight. Heaven's gates are open wide. He ain't still on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. He is on the throne. And the Bible says, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Will you bring someone with you to heaven when you get there. Will you stay faithful if you have a lost spouse to win them? Will you stay faithful in the power of the resurrection to see your children and grandchildren come to Jesus Christ? Will you stay faithful in the power of the resurrection or will you live in the fear at the foot of the cross of winning your co-workers and your neighbors and your family members and children, those on your ball team and those in your classroom? Who will live in the power of the resurrection? Let us pray. Father, forgive me if I've done any injury to your text. I thank you, dear Lord, for your word, and I pray for your help now. I pray that your Holy Spirit will apply it to these, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.